us are responsible to God, regardless of the amount of material wealth that He has entrusted to us. 1 Corinthians 4.2 states, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Romans 14.12 states, So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. For the next hour, Life 100.3 will explore how God provides us with wisdom in all areas of finances and provides a distinction between worldly attitudes as opposed to godly attitudes with respect to money. This is Living in Abundance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Evan Duran. Good afternoon. So excited to have Tom Copeland back in studio with us for another Living in Abundance. Tom is a chartered accountant who has been teaching God's word on finances since 1982. He has taught and advised thousands of people on how to manage money God's way, including reducing and eliminating their debts. And he's the president and founder of Copeland Financial Ministries who teach what the Bible has to say on finances. For more information about Tom, you can check out biblefinances.org. Tom, welcome to Life on Letter.3. It's great to be here, Evan. Thanks for having me. So let's get right into the questions. I know a lot of us are kind of thinking about Christmas as we're in the middle of January. A lot of us getting our credit card bills, some of them a little bit higher than we thought they were <laughs> going to be. So what would you advise someone who is dealing with some post-holiday debt? I think one of the first things you should do is pray and ask God for his wisdom and direction. That might sound like a standard frame, uh, but you know, God's solution for one couple may be very different than another. Uh, if you get into debt for one individual or couple, perhaps you just need to eliminate some discretionary expenses. For another, maybe you got to do something more serious like downsize from two cars to one or maybe even downsize your house. The second thing I include, encourage you to do is list out your liabilities. You need to know well the condition of your herds and flocks and grains, Proverbs twenty two twenty three. 23. You need to know where you're at financially in order to make wise financial decisions. And if you have a lot of credit card debt and you're not able to pay it off, a lot of people just pay their minimum payments. Uh, that's a red flag. That's a warning. If you can't pay it all off at once, I'd encourage you to consider getting a, a line of credit to pay off the credit card debt um, that, because the line of credit rate is a whole lot less than the credit card debt. But uh, just understand that um, getting another debt to pay off your credit cards doesn't eliminate um, the problem. The underlying problem is you've been spending more than you're making and uh, you need to change that. You need to spend less than you make so you have a surplus to pay down debt as opposed to accumulating debt. 866-737-LIFE is the number to call if you'd like to ask Tom Copeland a question. Now, kind of coming off of what you just said, Tom, it seems like going into the Christmas season with a budget in mind is mm -hmm. beneficial. What would you say to someone that, like me, is very clueless about budgeting? <laughs> I, I think one of the first things to do is uh, start tracking your expenses so you know where your money's going. I think, secondly, develop some sort of a budget or a cash flow plan. It can One could be downloaded for free from the Copeland um, uh, from our website, biblefinance.org. Um, it's, it's, um, and just, if you start tracking your expenses, you'll start be, become more conscious of where your money's going. And as a result, um, you'll actually probably spend less. And if your spouse sees where your money's going, you'll spend even less more. <laughs> so, um, I, I just encourage people to look at where your financial facts are, look at reality, and then start developing a, a cash flow plan or a budget, call it what you like, in order to make sure you have a surplus each month. Having a surplus in order to pay down debt each month is the key. Uh, most people in Canada actually go the opposite. They have, um, they're spending a little more than they're making and they're accumulating debt. That's the problem. Okay, so you get the budget in place. What are some other ways that you can go about reducing that credit card debt? I'd say some other things is, is look at um, where you've spent your money over the past uh, year or two. Um, in Matthew 6, Jesus said, uh, 
Uh, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Um, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. In other words, God says, put me first, I'll meet your needs. So look at where you've spent your money over the last year or two and ask yourself, did I, what things did I buy that I really didn't need? And those are the things you need to start eliminating, those discretionary th expenses, those things that are wants and desires. And by doing that, often people can get themselves into a positive cash flow every month. So they actually have a surplus to start to pay down debt instead of going into debt. 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433 is the number to call if you have a question for Tom. And we're going to head to the lifelines right now. Zach in Huntsville, what's your question for Tom? My question is about my mom. Um, she has a house right now. It's her current home, but she has a fair bit of debt. Um, she owes about half of the, the, the value of the home at the moment. And um, about if she sells, she'll only get about a hundred thousand dollars i get about a hundred thousand dollars out of the house and i'm wondering if that's proper to sell because right now she's very stressed and and whatnot i just don't know what to do the other thought i had is that i'm a contractor and refinishing the basement and i can get some renters in but uh the a question that you guys just answered recently was keeping the the family home but then also getting rid of debt so i just don't know what to do thanks for your your question zach and that's a and very interesting uh, scenario uh, first of all, the first thing I'd suggest your, your mother do is look at the different scenarios you can possibly help her. Develop a cash flow plan, uh, a budget to see what happens under the different scenarios. For example, if you, uh, it's great that you're a contractor. If you go in and, and uh, refinish the basement and got her some additional income, would that be sufficient for to meet her uh, personal needs plus uh, pay down her debt and eventually get rid of her, her debt completely? Would that be sufficient? Because if it does, that, that could very well be the solution. If that doesn't work, then the other solution obviously is the other option is to sell the house, pay off the mortgage, and for her to go and rent somewhere. And you got to look at what the, uh, the cash flow is going to look like uh, going forward under that scenario as well. And then compare the two. And in this process, pray and ask God for his wisdom. He says if any of us lack wisdom, which we all do, that we should ask him and he'll give it to us abundantly. So ask God for his wisdom. And as she prays uh, and you pray, um, once, once the Lord is directing you according to his will, he will give you his peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. So um, I think those are the two options. Look at the cash flow, pray, and see which direction God gives you his peace uh, regarding which decision. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much for the question, Zach. If you have a question for Tom Copeland, 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433. And a little bit earlier, we were talking about credit card debt and how to pay that off. Now, let's say hypothetically that you pay off your debt. How are you going to prevent yourself from sliding down into that in the future? Good, good question. One way is to go with debit card instead of a credit card. Credit card allows you to spend more than you're making. A debit card doesn't. You can only spend what you can make. And, and I think continuing to track your expenses is important and become conscious of where the, the money's going. And, and just uh, evaluate your financial position on a monthly or quarterly basis. Are, is your debt going down or is it going up? And are you saving for some future needs? Okay, excellent. Now, something that often comes up when we're talking about money is materialism. And I feel like that kind of plays into the credit card debt a lot of the time as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about materialism for a second? Um, lots of people in Canada struggle with materialism. We're bombarded with it from uh, media and just from our culture. And I, I think the key is, um, is really to understand that as Christians, we, as Paul said, we brought nothing into this world. We shall take nothing out of it. And uh, we need to make what I call the paradigm shift from focusing on things of uh, temporal nature, money, material things, to things of uh, eternal value. 
our relationship with God and uh, time with family and things that we do for the Lord that, uh, that have eternal, uh, eternal consequences like the salvation of people. Um, Jesus said that the, the, the son will return in his father's glory with his angels and he will reward each person according to what they have done. Okay, we have another call coming in, 866-737-LIFE to make yours. Hey, Lifelines, who's this and where about you calling from? Hi, it's Angel, and I'm calling from Lindsay. Angel, what's your question for Tom? I have a question for Tom. Um, is it possible that um, to be in a deficit situation but still following God's leading? Like, right now I have a business, it's a riding stable, and I am $300,000 in debt which I know sounds bad, but he led me to a property which is worth over a million dollars. And he's bringing in lots of people. The stable's bringing in income. But um, we had to build a barn here, and there, so we're $300,000. So, so your question would be, is it okay to be in debt as long yeah. as you're still able to s- slowly chip away at that? Yeah, let me explain what the Bible says on debt. It's not a sin to borrow. It's a sin to borrow, not repay. Psalms 37, 21. And of course, Romans 13, 8 says, let no debt remain outstanding. Um, I think the key is this. Do you, do you have a plan to pay it back? Uh, Christ admonished us to plan ahead in the parable of the towers. Do you have a plan to pay it back? And um, I'd also, uh, since you're in business, uh, have monthly financial statements and, and look at your cash flow. Uh, are you having um, a positive cash flow each month so that you can start to pay down the debt? There's nothing wrong with having the debt in and of itself as long as you have a plan to pay it back and um, you're, you're responsible to pay it back. But it's uh, the issue today, I'd say, generally speaking, as I look at thousands of people's finances, it's not the issue of debt. The issue is too much debt. It's so easy to get into debt and so easy to borrow and interest rates are extremely low. It's, it's just so easy to get into so much debt. So right. I, I'd have to know a little more about your situation, but it, it sounds like, are, are you able to make your payments each month? Oh, yes. We're making okay. the payments and God is sending the people. I, I'm full. I have, I'm, like my borders, I have, my stable is full and, and my, I do riding groups and my schedule is full. And so it's definitely bringing in income every month. Um, I'm just wondering... The debt is a concern for you. The debt is a concern. Yeah. The yeah. debt is a concern because, I, you know, I'm, I'm hearing the scripture about not owing, right? Yep. But I really feel like this has been an investment that God led me to do. And you know what? It's very possible, Angel, that God has led you to do it. It's, it's, um, and, and God can lead Christians, especially when it comes to buying a home or, or buying a, a business. Or in your case, it sounds like it's so a I business. So I guess the fact that he's providing a way to yep. come out of the debt is... Assurance that, for me. That, that's, that's assurance. And, right. and the fact, I think even, sounds like you have lots of equity in the property. I think you said definitely, it's worth over yeah, a million. And, definitely uh, more equity than what we owe. But. Yeah, the equity is key. The other thing is, do you have a positive uh, cash flow? And it sounds like you, you have a positive cash flow and you have a way to pay it off. Certainly, I encourage everyone long-term to have a plan to become totally debt-free. I've helped hundreds of people do that. No one's ever regretted it. So I should be looking to the future too. So how long is this going to be? Like until we can... Like how long will it take to pay off at this rate kind of thing? That, that's the kind of thing. Okay. And if you could pay off, you know, your investment in, in 10 years as opposed to the usual 20 or 30 years for a piece of real estate, that would be great. I'd encourage you to do it, pay it off as... So make a plan for that. Exactly. Okay. okay. Thank you so much, Angel. Thank you. Thanks, Angel. Bye. God bless. If you have a question for Tom, give us a call on the Lifelines, 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. During Christmas time, people often spend more than they can afford and accumulate debt. 
In the parable of the tower, Christ admonished us to plan ahead, which means we need to save for future needs. To accomplish this, you need to follow a budget to ensure that you spend less than you earn and have sufficient savings for future expenses, which would include Christmas gifts, annual insurance premiums, vacation, etc. For example, if Christmas gifts cost about $900, you should save $75 per month throughout the year to ensure that you have sufficient funds and to avoid debt. Saving is biblical. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future. How much do you need to save? Form number three of the Copeland Budgeting System, available from BibleFinance.org, provides a tool for estimating the required monthly savings to meet future expenses. In summary, follow a budget to ensure that you have sufficient savings for future needs. To learn more about managing money God's way, check out BibleFinance.org. 866-737-LIFE to ask a question on living in abundance with financial expert Tom Copeland. Off to the lifelines we go. We're talking to Bernie. What's your question for Tom? Yeah, I have a two-part question, actually. The first part is, what would you recommend I do if I'm a compulsive, impulsive spender? And two, um, what would you recommend I do if I'm just paying the minimum payments on my credit card and that's, uh, that's quite, a, quite a steep payment as it is. How would I consolidate my, my loans? Bernie, those are good questions. I, I appreciate you answering them because lots of people struggle with that. For people who have an issue with uh, compulsive spending or you know, just spending on the spot, I think of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, God will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. The first thing um, you need to do is identify your areas of temptation when it comes to spending. If you're a car guy, don't go to the dealership and, and check out the new cars unless you absolutely need one. Right. Uh, if you're a tool guy, avoid the hardware stores. Um, avoid your, and if you're not sure what your area of temptation is, look at where you spent your money over the last couple of years. Go through your credit card statements and your bank statements. Where did you spend your money that was not necessary? Mm. Um, and avoid those things. Don't even go to those places where you, you, could, you could be tempted. Okay. Um, if you're in a situation like so many people are, and thanks for that question, where you're paying the minimum amount on the credit card, that's a big red flag. That's a warning sign. And, and what people have to do is go back through, see where they spent their money, uh, eliminate their discretionary expenses as a minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to s- develop some form of a budget or a spending plan, decide where they're at, what their, their fixed obligations are, what money's coming in. And if they still um, in that spending plan budget, if they still have a deficit, they may have to make some tougher decisions. They may have to downsize a house or sell a car um, or eliminate some things that they really enjoy. You've got to somehow develop a cash flow plan where you're spending less than you earn, say, of a surplus to pay down debt. Because otherwise, uh, if you're paying the minimum amount on the credit card, you're getting... um, you're getting you're getting charged horrendous rates on the credit cards, and and it's just going to put you farther and farther behind. Yeah, that's what's hurting me a lot right now is the uh, minimum payments I'm making. Yeah, and Bernie, I'd say this: if anyone yourself or anyone wants any financial counseling, um, I've got twenty-five to thirty trained financial coaches who can uh, provide it on a ministry basis. We don't sell any financial products, by the way. It's strictly give biblically-based financial advice. Just send, um, just connect into our website, BibleFinance.org, and there's a place you can send an email there, and uh, we'll ask you to do a bit of homework, uh, some some figures on the Copeland budgeting system, and then uh, I can assign a financial coach that can help you. Uh, uh, deal with more details than we can here on the air. That'd be great. Thank you very much. Bernie, thank you so much for the question. You're welcome. Have a good night. In Aurelia, talking to Chrissy on the Lifelines, 866-737-LIFE to ask your question with Tom Copeland. Chrissy, what's yours? Hi there. Um, my question is, my husband and I thankfully don't have any consumer or credit card debt, but we have our mortgage, like most um, 
and we're always torn each month. We stick to our budget and have surplus, and we're always torn with whether to make extra payments on our mortgage or to save into a retirement plan. I just wondered what your recommendation is or if your percentages, you think, or what your advice would be. Christy, that's a good question and, and one that um, many people uh, uh, can uh, can wrestle with. The good news is this. you got a surplus each month, so you have some options, which is fantastic. I commend you and your husband on that. Paying down your mortgage, uh, investing in an RSP are both good things. Um, you, you get a little bit of a double whammy if you put the money in the RSP and you get a tax refund and then you take the tax refund at the end of the year and apply that against your um, your mortgage. But doing both of them good. Now, the only other thing you need to keep in mind is... is um, Whatever rate your your mortgage is, maybe it's two or three percent. Um, it's hard to get that on a guaranteed basis in your RSP. So sometimes people are better to to pay down their mortgage. So this the I would say just uh, do a, I'd probably do a combination of the two and uh, pray and ask God to direct you. In Psalms thirty two eight, God said, "I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you." Both of those choices are within biblical principles. Both of them are good choices. I'd probably do a combination of the two. Now, part of the factor may be, I'd, I'd probably do a combination of the two. And if, certainly if you can get rid of your, your house mortgage in the next 10 or 15 years, that would, um, you, you won't regret that. Right. Perfect. Thank you. Thank You're you welcome. so much for the question. Now, Tom, I'm just thinking uh, with that question about the RRSPs, when is it wiser to go for an RRSP or for... Uh, something like a tax-free savings account. How do you decide what to do in regards to savings? Good question. The, um, that would depend on your marginal tax rate. Someone that has a, a fairly good income and a fairly high marginal tax rate, let, let's say their income's even over 50000 a year, they might be better off with the RSP where they'll, they'll actually uh, put money in, they'll, they'll um, save that for retirement and they'll get, they'll get a tax refund and then use that tax refund to pay down some debt. Mm. Even you could use that tax, tax refund and put it in a tax-free savings account. The only thing I'd say about a tax-free savings account, that can be appropriate when um, you, you, you're going to need the money uh, in the near future. If you're going to need the money in the near future, probably don't put it into an RSP because when you, the money comes out of the RSP, it's taxable. Uh, rather, put it into the tax-free savings account because when you take money out of a tax-free savings account, it's not taxable. And of course, it's not deductible when you put money into a tax-free savings account. So RSP money is really more long-term investments for retirement. Okay. Thank you for answering that question. If you have a question for Tom, 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433. Have another call coming in. What's your question for Tom? I had a question uh, regarding uh, uh, finances for Tom and just uh, wondered about a, a biblical basis for life insurance and health insurance and, and also for retirement savings. Okay, um, that's that's a good question. The uh, first of all, life insurance. First uh, Timothy five eight says, if a man does not provide for the needs of his own family, he's worse than an unbeliever. So certainly, especially for young couples that have young kids, where if the main income earner died. Um, having some sort of insurance in place would make sense um, in terms of life insurance and health insurance. Um, you know, especially when you're young and and um, and if the, the main person died. The the second one um, you asked about uh, a second question. What was it? Uh, retirement savings. Yeah, it is biblical to save for retirement. A lot of Christ some Christians don't think it is. Some say that it's uh, they think that that it's a lack of of trusting God. But if you look at Luke fourteen twenty eight to thirty, parable of the tower, Christ admonish us to plan ahead. It says, suppose you want to build a tower, uh, you may not want to build a tower, but you may want to build or save for retirement. 
Uh, he says, will you not first sit down and estimate the cost to make sure you have enough money to complete it? We need to plan and save for our elder years when uh, often our income earning capacity drops because of health and other reasons. And also, I've seen many Christians where they have saved retirement for retirement a reasonable amount, and then God is really enabled to use them to work in ministry full time. So it is biblical to save for retirement. And one of the key ways to do it is a little at a time over a long period of time. Proverbs 13, 11 says, he who gathers money, or literally he who saves money, little by little makes it grow. So try to start early and save for retirement and any other future needs, children's education, etc., over a long period of time. Makes it a whole lot easier. Great advice. Thank you. 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433. If you have a question for financial guru, Tom Copeland, he's joining us in studio until six o'clock this evening. Now, Tom, I'm thinking if someone's just joining us, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but they could just be tuning in, getting supper on the go, and they have gotten their credit card statement from last December in, and it's a doozy. They went a little bit overboard on Christmas. How can they avoid doing that again in 12 months? Probably the, the simplest thing to do is uh, project, uh, estimate what you spend at Christmas or what you need to spend at Christmas. Let's say it's $1,200 is what you spend each year on gifts and um, holidays or whatever. Um, set aside $100 a month from your, your, your regular monthly income into mm-hmm. a separate savings account and designate it for Christmas gifts. So when, when it comes up, you're not forced to put it on the credit card. The same kind of um, planning for non-monthly expenses is, is, is biblical. For example, if you've got an annual insurance uh, premium for your car and it's uh, $2,400, say for two cars, you should be setting aside $200 a month so you have the money when it comes up rather than being forced into debt. The same with vacation. Most people don't save for their vacations. And Desiree, what's all, what happens? It goes on the credit card. So saving for any future expense is biblical. Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. And uh, if you download the Copeland Budgeting System from BibleFinance.org, um, uh, form number three can help you um, just do those calculations um, it, it, and also go through. There's a number of other what we call non-monthly expenses that you mm. should consider. Even things like auto repairs. You may not know what your auto repairs are, but I'd say to most people, put aside $100 a month in a savings account for your automobile repairs because the odds are you can go for several months, no repair, and then suddenly you got a $500 repair. So at least you have some money to, to pay for it. You may not be able to save everything, um, but, but you'll have something set aside uh, to, to look after these future expenses so you're not forced into debt. 866-737-LIFE, number to call if you have a question for Tom Copeland. Now, as we're talking about Christmas and debt and saving for next Christmas, materialism often comes into the conversation. Uh, we talked a bit about it earlier. Can you kind of elaborate on what you were saying in regards to materialism? Materialism, um, there is a focus in our society on money and material things. A lot of Christians uh, even believe the financial deception that money and material things will bring happiness. Mm. Uh, It doesn't. I can testify. In ministry, I help everybody. Uh, Most people are average or low-income earners. Some are above average. In my own corporate business, um, I really just uh, focus on owner-managed private corporations. They're generally successful entrepreneurs. I've worked with a lot of successful entrepreneurs in the last 34 years. And I can tell you, more money in and of itself does not bring happiness. And it doesn't bring peace. Um, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. God's peace that transcends all understanding can only be obtained through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Money and material things will never provide that. If you have a question for Tom, give us a call 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433. Living in abundance with chartered accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Evan Duran, will be right back. 
Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. God's warning, debt is dangerous. Offers of personal lines of credit, 0% financing, and receiving unsolicited credit cards all entice us to borrow money. As a result, many people believe the lie that it's okay to buy now and pay later. This worldly belief is contrary to God's word. In Proverbs 22.7, God warns, the borrower is servant to the lender. Inability to service one's debt will result in detrimental consequences. Here's three examples. Threats from creditors will generate tension between a husband and wife, often destroying their relationship. A Christian is unable to accept a full-time job in ministry as the salary is insufficient to service his debts. Debt causes stress, resulting in sleepless nights and health problems. The absolute truth is that God wants us to be free to serve Him and not a lender. In summary, God warns of the dangers of debt and strongly discourages borrowing. To learn more about managing money God's way, check out BibleFinance.org. It is 526. I'm Evan Duran, and joining me in studio is financial expert Tom Copeland, who has been helping people with their finances since 1982, and he does it from a biblical perspective. So if you're needing some insights on your finances, be sure to call us right now, 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433. We're talking to Linda from Barry right now. Linda, what's your question for Tom? Uh, Yeah, when you're already put on the shelf and you don't have any savings per se in your bank account in this realm and you live on a a government check, what are you supposed to do? Okay, Linda, you say on the shelf. I take it that means um, you don't have a job. That means that I have a very low income and I've tried to get jobs in this city and it just never panned out. And so what I thought I would try to start up a cleaning company and I got four or five jobs. Okay, well, uh, that's commendable that you, you got your, your cleaning company started, and I encourage you to continue on with that. Um, your situation, I, I, um, my heart goes out to you because um, I, I know I, I've counseled many um, people with very low income. Um, most of them are middle income, but there's certainly counseled a lot with low income. Obviously, prayer and asking God to provide. Um, I think of the, uh, the parable of the, uh, the widow and the oil where uh, the, the husband died, leaving a whole lot of debt for the widow, and, and the, uh, the lenders were going to come and take away uh, the, the, her two sons as, um, as you know, in, in response to the debt, they were going to become slaves. And then God intervened, and uh, if you remember, I think it was Elijah, and told her to, to start getting some jars and filling up the oil, and just, just, just did some miracles. Um, there's lots of miracles in, in, in the scriptures where God has um, provided and met needs, and I've seen a lot of miracles even uh, in the last 34 years. So my, my prayer would go out to you, Linda, that, uh, that God would provide your needs. He did say if we put him first, he will, put a, he will meet our needs. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God has promised to meet our needs, not necessarily our wants and desires. And I would, um, another thing I would consider doing if, I, if you feel led is um, even talking to people at your church. Sometimes there's people at a church who feel led to help those with, uh, with low income. Uh, maybe your church has a benevolent fund. I don't know. But if they don't, uh, I think every church should. And um, I just think um, a lot of prayer and a lot of trusting in the Lord. Um, and and I, I just seen so many cases where God has done these little miracles of providing income and food and extra jobs and that kind of stuff to people with a very minimal income. And so um, my prayer goes out to you, Linda, and uh, it, certainly check out our website. I think you'd find some more stuff in there that would, would help you. But uh, I, I just uh, 
do, do learn what the Bible does say about managing money because even though you don't have a lot, we're still all accountable to God as to how we manage whatever he's entrusted to us. And do keep this in mind. In, Pearl, in Luke 21, the widow who gave two mites to God's work, um, it was very insignificant in terms of monetary value, but she put in more than all the rest because other people put out of, out, gave what, out of their plenty. And Christ was saying her rewards in heaven were much, much greater. So um, I, I believe if you continue trusting the Lord, he'll provide and uh, you'll have some um, tremendous rewards in heaven. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you for the call, Linda. Now, Tom, you've uh, been talking a lot about godly principles for biblical finance, and there might be someone that's listening saying, yeah, this is all sounding really great. I know it's in the Bible, so it's true, but do you have any examples of this actually working? I mean, it's all fine to say it, but have you seen it actually play out? Do you have any stories you could share? Yeah, I got lots of stories to share because uh, I've seen thousands of people's situation. Let me, let me just share, I'm going to tell you a story that is so typical of what we see. Typically, it's a, it's a couple, doesn't have to be, it can be an individual that comes to us. They've got a lot of debt, they got a credit card debt, they got personal line of credit, couple of car loans, they got a big mortgage, they may even have some, still have some student loans, and they just don't know what to do. Um, they've been spending more than they're making, they accumulate a lot of debt. I find the key is this, when they learn God's way of managing money, when they learn what God has to say in the area of finances, generally they become content with less, they develop and implement a cash flow plan, they start applying biblical principles, um, they, they, they just, and as they start, as we start to apply biblical principles in our finances, that, that means we're becoming better stewards. God's will, God will bless us with more. Um, from everyone, you know, that even in the parable of the talents, when the, 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 the guys that had five talent and the one that had two talent, when they showed they were trustworthy with what they had, God entrusted with them even more. And so I, the key is this, I find, and I've seen so many lives changed, um, over the last uh, 34 years, which is God's people learning God's way of managing money. There's 2,350 references in the Bible to money and material things. It's the most talked about subject in the mm-hmm. Bible. There's 500 verses on prayer, 500 verses on, on faith, but amazing, 2,350 on, on money and material things. There's lots of wisdom. In my experience, by far the majority of Christians don't know what the Bible says about finances except for something on tithing. They don't know about the dangers of debt. They don't know how to get out of debt. They don't know about godly versus worldly attitudes. And as a result, they're unintentionally violating biblical principles and suffering the consequences. The key is learning God's way of managing money and then implementing. And how do you do that? I'll give you two key scriptures. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Joshua 1, 8 says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. As we get into God's word, allow God through his word and his spirit to change the way you think about managing money. If you have a question for Tom, make sure to give us a call at 866-737-LIFE. That's 866-737-5433. Taking another call, what's your question for Tom? We own a home, which we still have a mortgage on, but we also inherited a condo presently being rented out. Um, And at this point, we're not ready to evict self from underneath the individual that's in it, but we're just wondering whether or not, if the time comes, should we hang on to the condo continue to find another renter or should we sell it and pay off our mortgage? That's my question. Thanks. Okay, Judy. Um, that's, that's a, that's a good question. A very reasonable one. Um, I, I would say this, the most important thing here is you have to discern God's will because there's no 
clear answers from Scripture here, except I would say, I mean, the Bible does discourage debt. It warns of the dangers of debt. And throughout Scripture, God met needs with no debt. So I, because you have a, a mortgage on your house, I would lean towards when you, when you do, um, um, when it is appropriate, the renter moves out uh, to consider selling it. Uh, take the equity out of the condo and and pay the mortgage off on your home. I think protecting the family home, I believe, is a real priority uh, for 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 people. Um, they because if you have your home and you got no debt, even if the economy goes into the tank or one spouse loses a job, generally you can you can keep your home. So I think that's the highest priority. Um, it's um, I think it's I, 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 that's where the direction I would lean. Obviously, you need to pray and and seek God's will as to the right time. Uh, when to do this um, and, and be patient. The Bible says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. So wait for God's timing and wait for God to give you specific direction. He has promised in Psalms 32, eight that he would instruct us and teach us in the way we, we, we should go and that he will counsel us and watch over us. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the call, Judy. Bye-bye now. Bye. If you have a question for Tom, make sure to give us a call at 866-737-LIFE. That's 866-737-5433. Okay, Tom, we were uh, just kind of talking a few minutes ago about tithing when you were explaining um, a situation that you had come across with a couple. And that got me thinking about someone that is, you know, barely making ends meet. They're able to do it every month, but it's a bit of a challenge for them. Is tithing right for someone like that? That's a good question because... let me let me explain overall what the Bible says on tithing and giving. Under um, Mosaic law, the Jews were required to give three tithes, the festive tithe, the Levite tithe, and the poor tithe every three years. So if someone's legalistic about tithing, um, you should be giving 23 and a third percent of your income every year. Um, we're no longer under the law. The government at that time was also theocratic, so it was almost a form of taxation. Um, today we're under grace. If you look at many of the scriptures, Christ said, given it shall be given unto you. There's no percentage mentioned. Second um, Corinthians 9, 6, the apostle Paul said, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows generously will also reap generously. Um, again, there's no specific amounts given. I believe that what God wants us to do is give generously and sacrificially based upon your particular situation. For example, I would never convict a single mom with modest income and two kids that thus saith, I'd never say thus saith the Lord, you must tithe. I think it's a guideline. Um, it's not something, it is still a guideline, but uh, I, if that single mom is giving three or 4% of her income to God's work, mm-hmm. that could be sacrificial giving. There could be tremendous benefits and rewards for her for doing that. In terms of the high income earner, uh, let's say both couples, uh, both husband and wife work and they're high income earners, they give 10%. That's great. That's giving out of obedience, but it may not be sacrificial giving. I think there'll be more rewards in heaven for the low income earner who's giving sacrificially. Um, so you need to give according to what God has given to you, not according to what he has not. It talks about in 2 Corinthians 8. Um, and it, God looks and he knows the heart and he knows the particular situation. So I say you just need to discern God's will. I would say this, most people in Canada with average or above average income should probably be able to get to 10%. Um, but it's not a legalism. It's a guideline. And uh, do do what the Lord wants you to do. Discern God's will. And God is, uh, who then is the man who fears the Lord? God mm. will instruct him in the way chosen for him. Psalms 25, 12. I'd like to switch gears for just a second and talk a bit about uh, couples that are just getting married. Mm-hmm. It seems like I've heard uh, tons of different advice from different people on how to handle finances when you're a newlywed. And I'm just thinking, what would your advice be to that? I've heard people say that you want to join accounts immediately, that you keep your accounts separate. Uh, what does the Bible have to say about that? Uh, the Bible says husband and wife should be one flesh. So I think generally speaking, you should have joint accounts. Um, 
There can be exceptions, especially if uh, you got a spender and a saver. And if the spender's spending the money faster than the saver, it may actually, I've seen real life cases where it's been necessary for the saver to keep a separate account to make sure the mortgage payment gets paid and the hydro gets paid. But generally speaking, husband and wife should have joint accounts and work together uh, on their finances. They should have a, a, a combined family budget or cash flow plan. And they should should agree on where they're going to spend the money that God's entrusted to them, regardless of who's the higher income earner. Um, they need to work together as, as a team, as one flesh. Um, but um, generally speaking, that's that's what they should be doing, everything jointly. So let's say there is a couple that's uh, one's a spender, one's a saver. one's a spender, one's a saver. Thank you. Yeah. I get myself confused. Uh, how would you advise them to? straighten that situation out? How would they go about getting it so that they are actually able to save more than they're spending every month? That's a good question. Um, and that's, that's the, the, the tough case study that I see so often. One spending, normally the spender is spending the money faster than the saver can save it. And usually overall, they're going into debt. There needs to, first of all, be communication. There needs to be an understanding of what's happening. Sometimes the spender is spending money and they don't realize what they're doing. They don't realize the consequences. I think the, the real key, though, is for both of them uh, to learn God's way of managing money. Learn what the Bible says. Uh, things like uh, Luke three twelve, I think, of where, where John the Baptist told some soldiers, be content with your pay. If someone is spending more than they're making and accumulating debt, they're not content with what God has paid them, um, what God has provided to them. So they, they, they need to have good, develop things together, get into God's word, um, both of them. And now there can be a case, I don't want to get too complicated here. There's an advanced uh, biblical financial study that I have, Discerning God's Will and Managing Money. If anybody's interested, go to biblefinance.org. I can send you some of the, the PowerPoint slides on that. But we actually deal with a real, uh, I've seen lots of real life cases where there's a spender and their saver. And, and there's a whole bunch of other ideas that I have for the, because um, often it's the spender that's coming to the workshop, learning God's way of managing money. It's not the, it's, sorry, it's the saver that's coming. It's not the spender that's mm -hmm. coming. Uh, often. And so obviously we want, we, you need to have a balance here um, and you need to make sure you live within what God's provided uh, to you. And both husband and wife need to learn God's way of managing money, learn to be content with what God has provided. But I do see lots of cases where one, the spender is not content. They're continuing to spend more than they, they should and they're spending it faster than the saver and it causes lots of problems. So if anybody has that situation, can connect into our website. I got a whole bunch more ideas that I, I don't have enough time to uh, explain on the radio. Uh, we have a call coming in at 866-737-LIFE. If you have one, be sure to give us a line, 866-737-5433. Hey, Lifelines, what's your name and uh, what's your question for Tom? Uh, it's Dave Turner calling. Um, I just wanted to ask about the, the advantages of RSPs, um, if they're acceptable, and um, is it okay to put a lot of money into RSPs? And do they work as they say that you do? Okay, Dave, yeah, I know there's some people every once in a while say RSPs are not a good thing to do. I would say for most people, um, RSPs are generally a good thing to do. It's a good way to save for retirement. Uh, presumably, when you're, um, especially when you're putting money into the RSP and you're getting the deduction, if your income is a, is, a, is a good income at that point, most people in retirement, their income drops. And so when you draw it out, you draw it out when you have a lesser income. And so you're paying a lower marginal tax rate. So the, the bottom line is if you structure it properly yep. and if you're contributing to an RSP when your income is higher, um, i.e. during your working years, and if you're drawing it down during your retirement years when your income's lower, it, it, works, out, it works out quite well. I, I generally encourage people to do RSPs. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for the question, Dave.
Welcome. Bye. If you have a question for Tom Copeland, 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433. It's Living in Abundance with financial expert Tom Copeland. And Tom, I'm thinking that right now there's a lot of people that are uh, nearing the end of their post-secondary education. Mm. We're heading into that time where a lot of people are heading out into the workforce with a lot of student debt. What Mm. would your advice be to someone like that? With student debt, I think, number one, uh, know all the condition of your herds and flocks and grains. Figure out how much student debt you owe, um, and credit card debt, whatever. And then uh, as soon as you get your first job, develop a, a cash flow plan or budget and make sure you free up some money monthly to, to be able to pay it down um, as, as quick as you can. Um, and learn God's way of managing money because it'll pay off for uh, your entire life. Okay, thank you. If you have a question, 866-737-LIFE. To the lifelines we go. Lifelines, who's this and where are you from? Aurelia. And what's your question for Tom? Um, I'm a student and I'm just wondering um, how could I uh, pay off my student loan? Uh, in, well, I believe um, if I have uh, like a side job or a side business, I'll be able to quickly uh, pay it off. Um, do you have any other ideas uh, for students? No, I think the, 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 the key is to um, determine how much you owe and then as soon as you get some income, um, any free cash that you have, pay down the student loan and any other debts that you have. Maybe you have some credit card debt, I don't know. Um, and then once you get especially a, a full-time job is to develop a budget or cash flow plan to make sure you have a surplus to pay down debt. The other thing I'd say is this, even if you have a good education, be careful. I, I just want to warn all the students out there. We, we have a very educated population here in Canada, which is good. But so often uh, people with good educations figure they're going to make lots of money. So shortly after they get out of school, they, uh, they get a job. And of course, when they now have a job, they need a car and they don't buy a used car. They go buy a new car with 0% financing and they got these car loan payments. And, um, you know, and then later on they get married. And of course, if you're going to be married, you got to have a house and they don't want to rent a house for a while. So they don't have any money. They go get the down payment from mom and dad and uh, they borrow, take a big mortgage on. And then suddenly, you know, they got a house and, and you can't put used furniture in a house, of course. So they go out and they, they go to the retailer and incentive and they borrow all kinds of money to, to put the furniture in. And, uh, you know, if it's a, a nicer, a nice house, you know, you, you can't have a used car in the driveway. So they got to go get a new one. You see, if you see what I'm driving at people, uh, often people that come out of school, they got good education, good prospects for a job. And even when they get an, a, a new job, they start to live at a lifestyle that's much greater than they can really afford. And their debt actually tends to go up. And uh, we need to be, um, be, be content with uh, often with a lesser lifestyle and because um, and, godliness with contentment is great gain, Paul said. We brought nothing into this world, we shall take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we would be content with that. So um, be content and um, allow God to provide the surplus of cash and buy all those things. Generally speaking, only when you can afford them. Don't just uh, go out and buy and borrow and borrow lots of money just because the credit's available. Thank you so much for the question. If you have a question for Tom, 866-737-LIFE. Financial Moments with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. Bill has no budget, lives paycheck to paycheck, and unintentionally spends more than he earns by accumulating debt on his credit cards. Once the credit cards are used to their limit, Bill pays them off with a personal line of credit. Three years later, Bill has maxed out both his line of credit and credit cards. In order to pay off these debts, he increases the mortgage on his house. 
Since Bill believes that debt restructuring will solve his financial problems, he continues with his bad financial habit of spending more than he earns, and eventually he must withdraw money from his retirement account. Like most people, Bill believes that debt restructuring will solve his financial problems. This is not true. Debt restructuring treats the symptom, not the problem. The problem is that Bill is regularly spending more than he earns. Bill needs to develop and implement a budget to ensure that he spends less than he earns and use a surplus to pay down debt. To learn more about managing money God's way, check out BibleFinance.org. It is fin- living in abundance with financial expert Tom Copeland. 866-737-LIFE is the number to call. If you have a question, we're talking to Peter in North Bay. What's your question for Tom? Yes, I was just listening to the other caller there talking about tithing or the, your, um, your viewpoint on tithing. And I'm curious, uh, do you lump everything together, like what you give to the church, other Christian uh, charities that you give to, maybe sponsored children, outreach, gospel missions, that kind of thing? Do you just lump it all together, or is the church tithing meant to be separate? I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Thanks very much. Okay. Well, thanks Thanks for your question, uh, Peter. That's, uh, that's a good one. I think um, you have to discern what um, what God wants you to do on that one. I think the tithe is a guideline. Certainly giving to your local church should be a priority. I don't think it's legalistic that the first 10% has to go to your church and then any giving above that goes can go elsewhere. I think it depends on where the Lord uh, directs you. If we want to get technical, if you go back into the Old Testament, uh, the tithes, the, the three tithes the Jews did were used for a number of things. Uh, feed the tribe of Levite, feed... Uh, uh, the festive tithe was one, and also the poor tithe. And, um, and there's, there's things that um, the local church cannot do practically, uh, such as, um, you know, things in third world countries, but they can support missions. So uh, the bottom line is, I, I think you need to discern what God wants you to do. Um, give and it shall be given unto you, Jesus said. There's no, there's no restriction on giving either. Um, one thing I, en- I encourage people to do of above average income, don't be restricted by the tithe. If God directs you to give 15, 20, 30% of your income, then give it away. Um, and if God directs you specifically to give the first 10% to your church, that's fine. And the balance to parachurch organizations, that's fine. But he may direct you to give all of it to your church or maybe, you know, most of it to your church or whatever. But certainly um, there's certain things the parachurch organizations do, the local church cannot do practically. So I think it's really through your relationship with Jesus Christ that you need to discern what God wants you to do with the money that he's entrusted to you. First Timothy 4.2 says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful and faithfulness to God and what he wants you to do is the key. And you can only determine that real clearly uh, through developing a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433 if you have a question for Tom. And as we've been talking, Tom, you've mentioned uh, purchasing a house a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm in a situation where I can't purchase a house, but that's something that I'd like to achieve down the road. What would you say to somebody that has that on their radar? It's just not quite yet. How do you build towards purchasing a house? I think the key is you, you need to save a decent down payment for starters. Um, I'd recommend in, in Canada 20% so you avoid the CMHC ch- uh, charge, but it's not, a, it's not a legalism. I'd recommend having 20%. And I'd recommend discerning what God wants you to do. So often, uh, say it's husband and wife, he makes X, she makes Y, you add it together. The bank goes and approves them for a mortgage of $500,000. Mm. 
That doesn't mean, some, some Christians will say, and then say they got 100,000 to put down. Some will say, well, God's opened the door for us to spend 600,000. No, it could be the enemy uh, trying to tempt you to get into more debt mm. than God wants you to. So the Lord may only want you to take on $300,000 of debt and buy a house for 400,000. Uh, you need to discern what God wants you to do. You also need to develop a, a projected cash flow plan. Um, and you can use the Copeland budgeting system for that to say, okay, what if I buy this house? What if I have a mortgage of a certain amount? Um, will I have enough monthly cash flow in order to meet the bills? Be sure to include things like property taxes, utility. And the other thing I would say is allow interest rates in Canada and the world are abnormally low right now. Um, if, if your mortgage payment is going to be $1,500 a month, maybe allowing your cash flow something like 2000 or 2500 a month. Or, or what you could do is even assume that mortgage rates go from you say your mortgage from two and a half up to 4%. Rates are really low right now. Um, they're probably not going to be this low forever. They could be this low for a while yet, but they're probably not going to be this low forever. And so an, in, an increase in interest rates, have a cushion within your cash flow. Um, Proverbs 21.20 says, In the house of the wise is a storage of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. You need to have a cushion in your, in your finances so you have some savings and you're not spending and committed to spending everything that you make. Now, I know when uh, I've talked to a couple people about this before, and they've talked about uh, having to build up credit to be able to get a good mortgage. Uh, but there are also a lot of dangers with building up credit because you usually do that with a credit card. Uh, what would you say to someone that's kind of on the fence about how they're going to build credit? The, the easy way to build credit is you get a credit card, you use it wisely, and you pay it off each month. It's that simple. Uh, you don't have to go out and take out a car loan or a whole bunch of things. Just mm. just do that and just use it wisely. You don't even have to use it that often even. And just gradually have your credit uh, that way. And generally speaking, what most people need credit for is is uh, a car loan maybe um, and, and a mortgage. And uh, let me mention something about car loans. Um, I always encourage people, okay, let's say you just bought a car and it's 0% financing and your payments are over, let's say, five years. I'd say keep that car for at least 10 years, maybe 12 Pay it off over the five years and over the next five, six years, save up some money mm. each month so you can buy your next car with cash. It doesn't have to be a new one, but maybe it is. Uh, maybe it's a good used one. So you have the cash. So you don't always have a car loan because most people have a car loan for their entire life for 50, 60, 70 years of their working life and mm. even into retirement. I'll tell you this. I've worked with hundreds of people that have no car loan whatsoever, uh, probably a, few, a couple thousand. No one's ever regretted it. They thought it was great to be able to save. And also, if you have the cash, you can get a better deal. If you have a question for Tom, 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433. Now, Tom, we talked quite a bit about budgeting, and you have some resources about budgeting. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of resources that I have available um, on the website, biblefinance.org. Um, first of all, there's my book, Financial Management God's Way, that's um, the most comprehensive study that I know of on what the Bible says on finances. There's uh, CDs, DVDs dealing with debt reduction God's way. There's the budgeting system you can download. There's also, um, on a ministry basis at no charge, um, those who want some financial counseling, uh, just uh, connect into our website, biblefinance.org, give us an email, and we'll, uh, we'll respond to that, and we'll assign someone as a financial coach for you. And the other thing, I just uh, mentioned some upcoming workshops. Um, February 20th at Agent Court uh, Pentecostal Church in Scarborough, I'll be uh, leading a workshop, a half-day workshop on debt reduction God's way. And also starting on February the 20th, Cam Goldberg, who's uh, a, a trained and very experienced leader of uh, Copeland Financial Ministries, he's going to be leading an eight-week small, eight uh, small group study based on my book. Um, and that's going to be at Life Point Church in Oshawa. So if you're in Oshawa or that area. And the last one I mentioned in this spring, I'm going to be doing a workshop in, um, at um, Eastridge um, 
Evangelical Missionary Church in Stouffville on biblically-based uh, financial planning. So check out the website for all of these uh, resources and upcoming workshops. 866-737-LIFE is the number to call if you have a question for Tom Lifelines. Who's this and where are you calling from? Hi, it's Deborah Lynn. Hey, Deborah, and what's your question for Tom? I'm asking him what the difference is or the pros and cons or the disadvantages and advantages of using the bank and investing through uh, a financial advisor from the bank versus uh, a personal investor, like a private investor. Okay, um, I see what you're saying. Okay, obviously uh, people can go to the bank and use one of their financial advisors to do their investments or they can do it through an independent financial advisor. I think that's just a, a matter of, of personal choice. And actually, I would also pray about it and discern what God wants you to do. I would also try to get to know the person um, who's gonna, going to advise you. Um, most uh, financial advisors, do, do investment people, do not give biblically-based uh, investment advice because they don't know what it is. Even, and some of them are even Christians. Um, if you want biblically-based investment advice, you need to go to a, a Christian investment advisor who understands what the, the Bible says on on investing, and it actually has quite a bit. Actually, the largest chapter in my book, Financial Management God's Way, is on the uh, topic of investing. So um, I think th the more important choice is who's the individual that's giving you the investment advice? What's, uh, what's their knowledge, and uh, do they do it from a, from a biblical perspective? Okay. Thank you so much for the question, Deborah. Thank you. If you have a question for Tom, please give us a call at 866-737-LIFE, 866-737-5433. Living in abundance with chartered accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Evan Duran, will be right back. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. For the first time since they were married, Jim and Jennifer listed all of their debts. They were astonished as to how much money they owed. $20,000 of credit card debt, a $40,000 personal line of credit, and a large mortgage. Because of their financial problems, they were both stressed to the limit. Jim and Jennifer decided to study what God's Word, the Bible, had to say on finances. Much to their surprise, they had been violating many biblical financial principles. For example, they had been living paycheck to paycheck with no budget and unintentionally spending more than they earned. With God's help, Jim and Jennifer learned to be content with a lesser lifestyle. They developed and implemented a budget to ensure they were spending less than they earned, and as a result, over the next three years, they were able to pay off their line of credit and credit cards. What a relief. Now they have a plan to pay off their mortgage within 10 years. Jim and Jennifer praise God for his wisdom and his word. They wish they had understood and followed God's financial principles much sooner. To learn more about managing money God's way, check out BibleFinance.org. 866-737-LIFE is the number to call if you have a question for Tom Copeland, Kathy, and Barry. What's yours? Basically, it's what, uh, what type of things can people invest in nowadays that is something that God would be approving of? Okay, um... That's, that's, a, that's a tough question, Aggie. Uh, sorry, uh, Kathy, thank you for that. Um, the Bible has a lot to say on, what, on investing. Um, it doesn't give specific direction in terms of invest in this or invest in that. Ecclesiastes 11, 1 and 2 does talk about diversifying um, one's investments. Um, certainly, I do encourage people to invest your own money. Do not borrow to invest. When you borrow to invest, you're increasing your risk. Um, and, and God generally discourages borrowing. It's not a... So um, 
the best way to invest, generally speaking, and save for long-term needs, such as uh, retirement or children's education, is, is follow Proverbs 21.5. Steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. The idea is invest a little at a time over a long period of time. Um, it's uh, The experts will call it dollar cost average, and you put in a certain amount every month into a balanced, diversified uh, portfolio, and uh, you do it over a long period of time, and you're probably going to do fine. In the short term, the markets can do absolutely anything. I don't know what the markets are going to do over the next few months. The scripture says, do not boast about tomorrow, for we do not know what a day will bring forth. Um, so I think the, the, the key, I can't answer your question, and I can just give you some guidelines in, in a, just a couple of minutes here. But if you go into our website, biblefinance.org, there's a whole probably 25 financial moments that deal with what the Bible says in, on investing. And generally you'll find their, their biblical principles or guidelines. And if people stay within those guidelines, generally long-term, they'll do fine. Although in the short term, anything can happen uh, in the markets. Thank you very much. And that's what I was hoping for. Okay. Thank you, You're Kathy. Welcome. Have thanks. a great night. You too. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. And uh, with that, we have a couple of minutes left, Tom, to uh, wrap things up here. Thank you so much for stopping in. Do you have any uh, closing remarks, any thoughts to kind of send us home with? Yeah, I want to encourage everyone to study what the Bible says on finances. Um, And uh, the key is um, there's so much wisdom in God's word that most Christians just aren't available of. And that's Mm. that's what I want to encourage you to do. our, our website can, can help you with that, biblefinance.org. Most of the resources there are free. And uh, in the process, I think, is what I call make the paradigm shift from focusing on the temporal, which is money, material things, to focusing on things of eternal value. Things like our relationship with God, relationship with family members, um, doing ministry, giving to God's work, the salvation of people. These are the things that are going to matter 1,000 years from now. If you go out and buy a brand new car, 15 years is going to be worn out. And there's nothing wrong with buying a brand new car if God's directed you to do that because you may need it. But, you know, when we invest money in God's work, we invest time in God's work, we develop our relationship with the Lord. Um, those are things that are going to matter um, a thousand years from now. I think of one key scripture, Matthew six nineteen to 21, where Jesus said, Do not build up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but build up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, thank you so much for coming in again. I know I've got a ton of stuff to think about and assess in my own financial portfolio. I'm sure a lot of people do in Central Ontario now. Uh, Would you just wrap up today with a word of prayer? Father, I just thank you that your word says so much on finances. You've given us so much guidance in this area. And Father, I pray for every person that is listening, that through your word and through your spirit, that you would touch their hearts um, and just cause them to take some action Uh, Lord, I know that I cannot change anyone's life, but you can. Your word is powerful. It is, your word is a, a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Your word is, is, is the truth as it relates to finances. And unfortunately, so many people are believing things from the world that is, that is lies and deceptions. But Father, your word is truth. And Jesus said to his disciples, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And I pray that you would just enable people to learn your word, that they would follow up and they would uh, take some action and they would uh, apply uh, what your principles uh, say and manage in, the mon- in respect of the money that you've entrusted to them and that they would uh, they'd manage it according to your principles and your will. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tom, thank you so much for coming in today. Living in Abundance is produced by Life 100.3. Many thanks to our studio guest, chartered accountant Tom Copeland. The fact that God has a plan for you also means that you need to be clear in understanding the gifts and resources that God has given your family and how you can work together to serve Him. This understanding should direct where you give, where you invest your time and money, and how you view the world. Thanks for listening.